Don't touch the dial. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you something that I don't think I've told you before. I'll be on stage at the Deal Maker Live event in Dallas, Texas on July 25th, 6th, and 7th. This event is going to be insane. Michael Blanc will be there. Hal Elrod will be there. Corey Peterson, Robert Helms. Are you kidding me? Adam Adams, Joe Fairless, Andrew Cushman, Matt Faircloth, David Zook, Brian Burke, Michael Becker, Reed Goosen, Stan Hanford, and Neil Bawa. It's going to be insane. I hope to see you there. Just go to dealmakerliveevent.com forward slash Adam to get an extra hundred bucks off and not to pay full price. Do the forward slash Adam. That link's in the show notes. So go ahead and go into the links and grab your tickets right now to Dallas. I'll see you on July 25th through 27th. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. All right, we are live. So welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam A. Adams, your win-win maker. And oh my gosh, we've got Mike Shogren on the mic. Mike on the mic. I love that. All right. So we're talking about Airbnb. So here's the thing. Yes, you can still do multifamily. Yes, you can still do your flips, but on the side, you can do what Mike's doing. And one of the cool things is some of the properties that he makes a ton of money on, he doesn't even own. Again, he's just managing these. So it doesn't matter if you have a ton of money or no money. If you can learn these strategies, and we'll teach you how to learn these strategies right here, right now with Mike Shogren, and so that you can actually be able to start making the kind of money that he's making with Airbnb, short-term rentals. So without further ado, Mike, if you could just give us a little bit of the background of how you got into Airbnb, and then we'll dive into questions. Yeah, for sure. First off, thanks for having me on, Adam. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, so I got into real estate back when I was 25 years old. Um, my wife and I lived at home for a couple of years, saved up every dime we could and bought our first house. Right. And we lived in that for a few years. Market just went up. We got lucky with timing. We sold it, made a bunch of money, rolled it into the next one and started looking more and more into getting into rental property. And right about that time, uh, we had our first son who was born and unfortunately he had a, a bunch of health issues. And for the first 18 months of his life, uh, we spent the majority of that time at Boston Children's Hospital. He had a very, very rare lung disease and all this, this craziness. It was this roller coaster ride uh, that we went on for about a year and a half. And luckily, we're, we're truly blessed. He grew out of that and everything's great. But when we came out on the backside of that, <clears throat> we were looking at, okay, now that things are stable again and, and we're figuring out what we want to do with ourselves financially, uh, we started reevaluating our real estate strategy and I had met some folks that were just getting into the Airbnbs and I was like, Oh, this sounds like a pretty cool strategy. And they were telling me how much they were netting on a monthly basis, right? Like typically if you buy a single family house and you rent it out, maybe a net two or 300 bucks a month. If you're, if you're doing it yourself, right? A lot of your repairs and maintenance are going to eat that up. And you know, it's just more of a long-term low cash flow play. And these guys were telling me that they were netting air for anywhere from a thousand to 2000 a month per property. And I was wow. like, you kidding me. Like, this is unbelievable. So talk to my wife a little bit. I'm like, we need a vacation. Like we've always wanted to have a place up in, up in the mountains. Let's just start looking and see what's out there. And you know, within two weeks, I found this property that we absolutely fell in love with, um, put in the offer. It was an old, uh, 1980 style house, needed a bunch of work. We bought it, put a bunch of money into it, totally renovated it. 
And just like uh, some of my friends were telling me, every single month since we've owned that property, we use it every month and it still pumps out anywhere from 1,200 to 1,500 a month, even after we use it. And I was like, this is the coolest real estate strategy I've ever seen. You know, like many of the listeners, right? Like I grew up, I'm like, okay, where can I find the next B2C class, you know, multifamily that's gonna pump out some good cash flow. And then I learned this model and I'm like, wow, this is pretty sweet. Like I can have fun, go use this cool vacation rental and it still pays me every month. Um, but at that point I had put all my liquid cash into this place and I'm like, all right, well, if I want to get more of them, how the heck am I going to do it? And I know a lot of folks talk about doing the master leasing model. Will they go out, they'll lease a property from somebody like you, Adam, they'll lease one of your units, they'll furnish it and then they'll put it on Airbnb and they make the spread. And I'm like, okay, that, that's cool, but I, I don't have enough to even do that. I don't have first, last security, and then another 10,000 to furnish it. Like, I'm, I'm strapped right now, for now. So I started brainstorming. I'm like, well, what if I went to other landlords and told them about this and say they were renting their place out for 1,500 a month? What if I partnered with you and I could make you two grand a month? All you gotta do is furnish it. Say it costs you five to 10 to furnish it. Okay, well, you'll get that initial investment back within a year to 15 months, and then you've increased the revenue of that property 30% forever, and you don't have to do anything. I'll manage everything for you, but you just need to furnish it, and let's just increase your revenue. That and does I gotta, not suck. That doesn't yeah. suck at all. And the, one of the things that I, and I cut you off, and I understand that, I'm sorry, but man, like, if you're that person, if I'm the person who, who has that rental and I've been making 1500 bucks coming in and you know, that was a cash flow of, let's just say two or 300 bucks. And all of a sudden you can get me 2000 and cash flow me, me, me like 800 bucks. That's ridiculous. And I don't it's have a new to value do play. I love it. I love it. And one of my favorite things that I really want to point out is how you pitch anything. Okay. So check it out. Just like sometimes you listen to what people teach you and sometimes you have to follow what they're doing. And what Mike just said was incredible. And I will pull that out. He is adding value to other people. That's how he's selling this to other people. He's letting them know what it is for them. If he turned it around and said, Hey, I could make so much money if I took over your property, they would be like, no, you're, you're cheating me. But if he actually shows, Hey, you can make 500 extra dollars a month. If you let me manage that, this is good stuff. We're learning a lot from you. I really, really appreciate it. So so you, you decided to do that. Oh, and let me say one thing to the listener real fast. Uh, Mr. or Mrs. Listener, who's, who's checking us out right now, here's the thing. If you want to know how to do this, don't worry. It doesn't just stop with this podcast because Mike actually not only has a free masterclass every single week that you can attend, like I said, for free, but he also teaches people how to do this. Uh, he, he coaches and educates you how to do the same thing. So if you want more, don't worry. Mike can help you at the end of this call. No biggie. Um, but if you get enough from the call, awesome. So he, let's, go, let's go right back. So now you manage five of these for other people, right? How did yes. you get a hold of these five other people? Like what was your approach? Did you already know them, etc.? Sure. So similar to other strategies, right? I'm like, okay, how do I... How do I scale? So I started a local meetup. I joined a co-working space. So I moved my office. If I flip my camera around, it's in a big co-working space. So there's 220 entrepreneurs that live or that work in this space. So I'm meeting entrepreneurs and other investors every single day through here. And then I scoured Craigslist. I said, who's got a nice property that's well located 
that even if I had to, even if, even if it cost them money to furnish it, I'm very, very confident that I could make them way more money than they're making right now. So between Craigslist, the co-working space, the local meetup, and just putting a lot of content out on Facebook every week, like it's just more, it's organic. Like I'm not paying for leads. I'm not doing any direct mail or anything like that. It's just getting people to, to associate this face with making money on Airbnb. That, that's, that was my entire strategy. I love it. I love it. Uh, so we got a, we got a call uh, or a question that came in and remind me what market you're doing this in, Mike. Sure. So I'm in three different markets right now. I am just outside of Boston. It's about 45 minutes outside. It's a market called Salem, Massachusetts and Beverly, Massachusetts. And then I am up in New Hampshire, up in the North Conway, which is a more traditional vacation rental market. Okay. So the question that came in is I'm in the Denver market and this is a good friend of mine that also lives here in Denver. And she was asking how this can work in the city of Denver. And I think this is a good question to address because there's a lot of cities out there that are actually um, kind of blocking off Airbnb. Um, obviously, uh, what is it? The All of the uh, oh, hotels and, and they don't want people Lobbyists. to, you know, and so, so, here we are in this situation and we're wondering what we can do to have these Airbnbs. What's the best answer? Go just outside of it, uh, break the law. What do you, what would you say is the best thing to do if you like lived in Denver? For sure. Right. Boston's the same thing. They're, they're very restrictive. So my philosophy, I'm not going to tell anybody else what to do, but my philosophy is I play by the rules. I always want to operate integrity. I, I don't want to try and fly below the radar because eventually you're going to get caught. I mean, that's, that's my belief. Like you're going to get caught. So what I did is I said, okay, I want to be somewhat local. I can go anywhere. My other properties are a few hours away, but if I want to be near Boston, what is a market 40 minutes outside of the city that still there's a train into the city? I can, my properties, you can walk to the train station to get into Boston. It's a 30 minute train ride. So I would look just outside of Denver. I don't know that market very well. I know it's a booming real estate market, but I would look just on the outskirts, look like 30 minutes outside of Denver, get a sense of, okay, what's the housing market look like? I would avoid any, any major metro where there is a lack of affordable housing right now, because that is the pitch that the lobbyists are feeding all the politicians is that the Airbnbs are taking all of our inventory off the street and it's jacking up all the rates. Well, you could look at it that way, or you could just follow the real estate trends over the last 10 years and you'll see it's just, we're getting closer to the top of a market potentially. So that's, there's a number of factors, but long story short, find a market that's a little more friendly. Even the markets I'm in now, some of them are owner occupied only. So if you have a two or a three family, great, live in one of the units and double or triple your cash flow on the other two units. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So I understand that this masterclass that you run for free is an entire hour. And there's no way that we can go into every detail on a 20-minute podcast that you would do in your 60 minutes. So how about we do this? How about we take um, a few of the big ones that you think are real good takeaways for the listener so that they can actually start getting their own Airbnb business up and running? What would you say are the few takeaways from your masterclass that you do for free? And that's awesome that you do that so that we can decide if this is something for us. For sure, so the kind of parlaying back into the previous listener's question, 
The first thing that I cover are nine different traveler types. When most people think of Airbnb, they automatically think vacationers or they think this isn't going to work in my town because I don't live in a vacation town or I don't live by a big city. But there are nine different traveler profiles. And just an example, one of those is corporate travelers. There are 700,000 companies now that use Airbnb for corporate travel, 700,000. Okay, so if you're anywhere near an employer, I'll give you the big ones. You've got corporate travelers. If you're anywhere near a medical institution, right, you've got patients coming in for special treatments like we did with our son. You've got traveling nurses. You've got traveling uh, specialist doctors. If you're anywhere near a college or a, I don't know the right term, but like a cosmetology type school where it's like a 13-week program, they need housing on a short-term basis, right? If you're anywhere near... Uh, a convention center or anywhere near like a, a business hub where there's, uh, I always think of like the Boston Convention Center or the Songus Arena, anywhere near us, there's like a major convention that brings a lot of business people or a lot of trade specialists into an area at a time. But there's nine different traveler profiles that I go through in detail. So this, honestly, if it doesn't work in your market because of a regulation, if you go 30 minutes out, I guarantee there's at least three or four traveler types that you can service in that market. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. How about, how about the next one that you could share with us? Let's drop some knowledge and some wisdom and some yeah. bombs on, on our listener. Let's do it. So the biggest, the biggest, if the, the biggest question and the biggest concern that I got initially was I don't, I don't want my place to get trashed. I don't want people renting my place and throwing some huge party in my property. And I'm like, I get it. I spent a lot of money on my place. I didn't want people trashing it either. So we use a five-step system that I'll share with you guys real quick. Um, one, we, you can set it up in Airbnb so that you only accept certain types of reservations. You can set it up to accept anybody that wants to book, which I don't recommend. The only way that people can instantly book my place is if they have a complete profile with a license on file, their name, verified email, everything, and they have positive reviews from another host, meaning they already, they already used Airbnb and they were a good guest. So that's the best type of, think of it like you're getting um, tenant referrals for your, your current tenants, right? Then the next step is we only use Wi-Fi locks. Nobody ever gets a key. I can change their access immediately from my phone and they have to take a selfie with the software that we use um, that matches their profile photo. Then when they get to the property, we've got a ring camera on the outside so if they say that there's four people showing up and six people are there, I know immediately because I can see it on my ring camera. Then when they get in the property, this is the golden nugget that most people don't know about is I have a device in there that measures decibel levels. I can't hear conversations, but if they start making a lot of noise, I'll get a text message immediately. So I have it set from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m., which is our quiet hours. If they start making a bunch of noise, I get a text message immediately. So then I just text the guest and I say, hey, you know, our quiet hours are 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. Like you agreed to on our house rules. We've got great neighbors and I just got a noise complaint. Can you tone it down? And that's happened like three times. And every time they're like, we're so sorry, we'll tone it down. Right. And then the last thing is we put a supplemental insurance policy over it. So if they ever did, Airbnb has their million dollar guarantee. And we also put a supplemental million dollar commercial liability policy over the property. That's five steps that we use to mitigate our risk. I think those were awesome. And we've got, we've got comments coming in on Facebook. 
Kristen says, brilliant. I love it. All right. So this is good stuff. Really appreciate you going into all of this detail. Now let's go into some of the numbers uh, before we hop off the call. Let's go into some of the numbers here. Now you're managing five that you don't have to own. You're still making Mm -hmm. money. I love it. How much money are you making? I know you said that the, the, the owners of those properties are making better money than they would, but let's just go into what it, what it takes for you. How many hours are you spending and how much money are you making on those five non-owned Airbnbs? For sure. So the second thing that I cover in the training, and we won't dive deep, is how I manage all of my properties in less than two hours a week. I've got all these systems set up that automate 90% of the process, um, which again, I don't want to get too deep right now because I know we're trying to keep it tight, but uh, there is a system that I use that I literally manage all these properties in less than two hours a week. And the way that it's structured is I have two different deal structures. One of them, I take 15% off the top or a minimum of 400 a month, whatever is greater. So even if we got no bookings, I guarantee myself 400 a month for doing all the work. I haven't had that issue. We always get bookings, but when I got started, I wanted to cover myself because some of the properties, it is what it is. So I do that. But for 15%, I asked the, the owner, you handle all the supplies. So when I tell you we're getting low, when my cleaners tell us that we're getting low, you're going to go out and restock all the supplies. For the other properties where I do literally everything, like everything from designing the space, building it out, managing the inventory, managing the supplies, everything, I take 25% off the top. So as an example, one of the properties here in Salem, it was renting for 2000 a month on a 12 month lease in our this past month in March, which is a pretty slow season here in New England. It's kind of a, a washy, wet, crummy season. We did $4,400 on that property of which I took 25%, which was about 800 something dollars on that property. And then the owner still made what another thousand dollars more than he would have. So wow. it, it was a, it was a good month. For sure. Awesome. That was during slow season. So, I mean, you can make anywhere on the low end from four to 500 up to two grand a month, not even okay. owning the property. All right. So if we average that out for uh, five of them, it's like five grand. It's like 60,000 a year. Yeah. You could go a little more, you could go a little less, but that's, that's really good to kind of dive into the numbers. I appreciate you kind of opening up the curtain so we could kind of see a little bit more about how the business works. And five grand a month is great, especially, most especially if you can do it with two hours a week. I I think if I I do the math here, and I'm no math whiz, but that's well over $2,500 an hour. Excellent. Thank you for going into that. So we got a lot of comments coming in, some questions coming in. Uh, Brilliant, uh, genius, um, a lot of good feedback on, you know, how you're doing this to really protect yourself. Those five steps were incredible. Um, one of the questions here is, um, they want that link. They want that link to your masterclass. So is that the strsecrets.com? Yes. Okay. Strsecrets.com. All right. So I'll type that in now. Strsecrets.com. That is where you can get the free masterclass. And can they find out about your paid program? You have a six week course. Can they find out about that on strsecrets.com? Yes. So if they sign up for the webinar, I do a full 60 minute free training where I go through and I break down those three things. And then on the back end, I'll talk a little bit about the program if they want to get involved with that. Love it. Okay. So Andrew, I hope that answered your question. 
Hung says, do you need a Realtors license to manage the properties in some states? No, because I'm technically not a property manager. I'm a co-host. I'm not signing any leases or legal documents, so I do not need a real estate license. Wow. Hey, that was a good question. Thanks for asking that, That was Hung. a great question. And then we've got more. We've got more coming in. What system do you use to automate? How can you get it down to two hours? What is that system? So there's three different things and I'm not going to give them all away right now, but I'll give you one of them are the locks that we use. So we use a, a company called August Home. And so when it integrates directly with Airbnb, so when somebody books the property, it automatically emails the guests and it automatically sets them up with access for the duration of their stay. So from 11, or excuse me, 4 p.m. on check-in day to 11 a.m. on checkout day, that's all automated and it automatically sends it to my phone. So I can track their activity. I know when they're going in, they're going out. I don't have to follow up with them. I don't have to deal with keys. It automatically triggers the whole handoff. The whole access is automated. That's just one. The other one is around messaging because messaging will crush you. I know I had over 2000 messages that I did not send last month that went out automatically mm. because people are always asking questions. So the software, when you go to the webinar, I'll walk you through exactly what software we use and how to automate that. And then I use another software to monitor all my cleaners, which again, I'll talk about in the webinar. Perfect. Really appreciate that. So let's just share this uh, link again before we hop off. It's STR. What does this stand for? STR. Short-term rental. Short-term rental secrets.com. strsecrets.com. Go grab the free one-hour webinar and check out the six-week course to really dive into everything that you need to know about being able to have your own short-term rentals, whether it's Airbnb or some of those other companies. I have one last question myself. Uh, since I don't see any other questions, oh, there is more questions coming in, but I'll ask mine and then we'll get to Chad's. Um, so, Mike, do you use... Uh, Airbnb and HomeAway and this other one and that other one, or are you focused on just one of the advertising platforms? So I have dabbled with HomeAway. I have found that 98% of my bookings come from Airbnb. About 1% came from HomeAway, and then another 1% came from family, friends, local connections that I use another platform that I can book them through on my own. But I mean, there's I saw the stats the other day. There's, I believe it was like 2 million people join an Airbnb like every week. It's insane. So there's a, so many people that are just hopping on this platform. Wow. All right. So here's the last question that's up right now. And hey, if you're on the live and you have a question, so far we've answered 100% of them. So feel free to ask because we're about to hop off. So if you have a, a burning question, go ahead and ask it. Chad asks, how many, he has two questions actually, how many, how about furnishing units? And then he goes into the second one, do you have standard furnishings? So as far as putting in the furniture, paying for the furniture, you kind of alluded to it being like 10,000. You know, what standard, what do you need to have when you furnish these units? For sure. So that is one thing, that is a major thing that I did include as part of the course because there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that you don't think of, right? So. 10,000, I would say, is a fair benchmark for a two-bedroom unit. That's, that's what we average for a two-bedroom, okay? 
Now we have a whole checklist of everything that you're gonna need all the way from the beds, the mattresses, the towels, linens, first aid kit, fire extinguisher, all the little things too that you don't forget about. And uh, luckily my wife is not only beautiful, she's an amazing interior designer. So she does all the design work and she built a custom uh, store so that anytime that we get a new listing, I just go on our Amazon store and I basically just buy everything on the store. And the students in the class get that store. Awesome. So okay. one and it's all done for you. Okay, Chad, I hope you got that. Um, you'll get that on the, on the course. Oh, we, they are rolling in. This is a hot topic. I love it. Rahim says or asks, what's the best way to approach a homeowner and negotiate the arbit arbitrage? Pretty much what we talked about before, right? So the first thing that you're going to have to overcome is their fear of the unknown, which is people trashing my property, right? So go through those five steps with them that we talked about, implement all those systems. Um, then the next thing is, is showing them the numbers. Again, here's a golden nugget for you guys. Go to airdna.co and they have a tool called Rentalizer. You can plug in any address into that tool and it pulls all the data behind Airbnb and HomeAway and it pulls, it'll show you based on the comps in your market, it'll give you the top five comps. Here's how much we think you'll make on Airbnb or HomeAway. Awesome. So show them the numbers. Raheem, that was a three-part answer. First, you need to get rid of their fear. And the other part of that is to show them those five steps that we talked about. And the third one, and I hope I wrote it down right, is A-I-R-D, as in dog, N-A dot co, not com. Is that right? Correct. All right, so go to airdna.co and you'll be able to find out a little bit more about the average rent so that you can share with that homeowner what they could be looking to make. All right, so I, I do have one, one last question. I just need, an, I need to know, you sound so successful. It sounds like you're doing this so well and, and you're making all this money. Raheem says, thank you. Uh, it sounds like you're doing really well with this, Mike, but I need to know the worst story you could, could ever think of for Airbnb. Give me the worst sure. one and then share with me the learning lesson from it. Yes, absolutely. So... <laughs> About three weeks after we launched that first property, right? I knew about all these different controls that I had to put in place with the locks and the cameras and everything else. And I knew the way that we furnished this property, it was for a certain demographic. It was for people like us that had young kids, right? We've got bunk beds and kids toys and certain things. And it's, it's located near like a Disney world up in New England. And I got a request. It was kind of a last minute request from a younger, uh, group that said that they needed the property for one night. They were in transition from New York up to Canada and they were on going basically skiing at different mountains every day during their trip. And they were only going to be there for one night. And I typically don't like to rent to folks below 25. So they were college students. There was a group of six. They wanted uh, a Wednesday night in March, right? And in my head, I'm like, okay, I know the community that the property is in is pretty much dead during the week in March. So nobody's going to be up there. I mean, even if they're making some noise, what's the worst that could happen, right? So I accept this booking. I get there and I see on the security camera when they get there, they got all the 30 racks. There's only six of them. I'm like, they got a couple 30 racks. I'm like, all right, whatever. They'll have a good time. They got there at eight o'clock at night. They're checking out at 11 a.m. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen in one night? So the, 
The next day, I can see on my app, it lets me know when the door is open and closed or if it's left open. I can see when they check out, they left the door open, by the way. It's the middle of a snowstorm and they leave the door open when they check out. So in my head, I'm like, this can't be good. My noise detection software went off at night. I'm like, whatever, who cares? Nobody's at the property or in the community during the week. My cleaners get there. They, they're like, hey, uh, the door was left wide open. I'm like, I know, close it. They're like, uh, there's beer all over the walls. There's somebody ripped the ladder off your bunk bed that was brand new. And there was scuff marks on the wall. There was urine on the floor in the bathroom. It was just, it was just gross. Just like total disrespect to the property. So fortunately, the only real damage was the ladder, which I was able to, to repair. And I just replaced like a few things. So my out-of-pocket cost, extra cleaning fees was maybe 200 bucks. Um, which I just tried to charge back to the guests. And another tip for all you folks out there, part of Airbnb's uh, million dollar guarantee, you have to submit the claim before your next guest checks in, which I did not know. And I had a back-to-back -back booking that day. So I didn't recoup my 200 bucks or whatever that came out of pocket. Um, but after that day, I just basically just applied all my rules and I haven't had another issue. Um, but if you have controls in place, they're there for a reason, like listen to them. So fortunately, you know, my place was still standing. It was just, it was just gross. There was just beer everywhere and it was, it was gross, but. Thank you so much for going into that. And again, for the listener, STR, that's for short-term rental, secrets.com, strsecrets.com. You can go to the free one-hour masterclass. We only took about 20 minutes on this one. You want to really dive in uh, and do it for free. Don't worry, there's a 60-minute masterclass that Mr. Mike and um, show grin. <laughs> it's, spelled, it. it's spelled like this. It's not spelled like show grin like you would think. It has a J in there and a G in there. And, and uh, it is a very interesting name. But for you, the listener, go ahead and look up Mike's, uh, Mike's strsecrets.com, Mike Shogren. He will add some value to you if you want to be doing Airbnb. Whether you're doing apartments, whether you're doing fix and flips, it doesn't matter. You can have some extra rental income coming in and not just a little bit of rental income, but a lot of rental income. We're talking two grand per unit extra and you don't even have to own the property to make that arbitrage. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Mike. And until next time, my friend, keep thinking outside the box. I hope you got value out of today's episode. And before I let you go, if you did get a lot of value, please feel free to hop over to iTunes and let us know your thoughts and impressions. I love it when I get five-star ratings and reviews from our listeners. And so if, if you want to do that, I'd be super, super grateful. And as a reminder, I'll be on stage at the DealMaker Live event. If you want to go to dealmakerliveevent.com forward slash Adam, you actually save an extra hundred bucks. Who's going to be there? Well, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors will be there. Corey Peterson, Hal Elrod, Robert Helms, Adam Adams, that's, that's me. Joe Fairless, Andrew Cushman, Matt Fairclough, Dave Zook, Brian Burke, Michael Becker, Reed Goosens, Dan Hanford, and Neil Bawa. It's going to be insane. I hope to see you there. Go to dealmakerliveevent.com forward slash Adam.